BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, August 28, 2023. Ray McGovern joins us now. Ray, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Uh, thank you for joining us. You and I have been uh, emailing each other uh, lately um, over this issue of how would America feel uh, if the level of offensive weaponry purporting to be defensive uh, was at our borders and aimed at us, much as uh, NATO has weaponry aimed at Russia, in an effort to understand uh, President Putin's mindset. And one of the pieces, of course, that you and I talked about was when this actually happened uh, in 1962, <laughs> right. and we came just a whisker away from uh, nuclear uh, annihilation. So give us your thoughts, please, on uh, American exceptionalism, that America can do things and get away with it that no other country can, that Washington can tell the rest of the world uh, how to live, and that Putin, in Washington's view, does not have the right to rid his neighbors of offensive uh, weaponry aimed at him. Judge, uh, thanks for asking this, because I think Americans can relate to this issue. Um, the way it's usually phrased is, what would happen if Russia came and overthrew the government in Mexico City and then started putting intermediate or medium-range ballistic missiles on the border of Texas? What would, we, what would we do? You know. Well, you don't have to be hypothetical about that. As you just mentioned, Judge, it happened. It happened in 1962. It happened just as I was coming on active duty as an infantry intelligence officer at Fort Benning, Georgia. Why do we mention that? Because when we arrived, there were no weapons at the Army Infantry Training Center at Fort Benning. They were all down in Key West, ready to go into Cuba. So long story short, Khrushchev, the Soviet leader at the time, but he did win one with John Kennedy. He had pretty much embarrassed him at Vienna and thought it was kind of a pushover. So he, had, he acquiesced in his general's desire to put offensive missiles in Cuba uh, because Castro asked him, said, here's the place you can do it. Well, long story short, he did. Okay. We didn't find out about it, unfortunately. We, bl we blame cloud cover. Well, finally, the uh, U-2s were found, and Kennedy was faced with this choice. What does he do? Well, he knew 
as I've shown in some maps here, that uh, these medium-range ballistic missiles could reach Washington in about 10 minutes, could reach Omaha in about 12 minutes, Norfolk, you name it, Savannah, could reach all these things within minutes, okay? Seven minutes was pretty much the average. And so he said, you got to take them out, Nikita Khrushchev. You got to take them out. He threatened nuclear war. John Kennedy did. And as I said before, prepared this invasion force to go into Cuba, take care of Castro. What did Khrushchev do? He looked around at his generals. He said, oh, well, we'll get to now, for God's sake. This is not an existential threat that we face. Kennedy has persuaded me that... This is an existential threat for him. Let's let's take those damn things out of there. Well, they made a deal, okay? Bobby Kennedy was instrumental in saying, okay, if you keep quiet about it, we'll withdraw these offensive missiles we have in Turkey in a couple of months, okay? And they made good on that promise. In other words, they were talking to each other. The deal was struck, and the U.S., which faced an existential threat at the time, uh, prevailed. Uh, because Khrushchev was a sensible person, and he said, <laughs> I don't want to get involved in a nuclear war. And things looked really good the following year. Both of them, having been through this, this crucible, were about to make real peace, and John, John Kennedy was killed. Now, what's the analogy here? Americans don't know that medium-range ballistic missiles have gone up in Romania and Poland. Now, what, what we have is capsules that these intermediate and medium-range missiles fit into. Cruise missiles, uh, ballistic missiles, and eventually uh, hypersonic missiles, you know, like eight or nine times the speed of sound. They could go into these capsules, which are covered, so you can't see what's exactly in there, in Romania and Poland now. Now, uh, Putin... Uh, on the 21st of December, 2021, got up before all his generals and he said, look, this puts me at risk. Seven minutes, seven minutes flying time, uh, five minutes once the U.S. gets hypersonic missiles, which we know they will get eventually, and they will give them to Ukraine. Whoa, if you look at the map. Ukraine is even closer to Russia than right. Poland or Romania. So what happened? Next thing you know, Putin calls up Biden. It's the 30th of December. Now, we don't have anything but a readout from that. And the readout says, Mr. Biden said that Washington has no intention of putting offensive strike missiles in Ukraine. Period. End quote. Whoa! Next day, New Year's Eve was a big celebration in the Kremlin. The, the Russians were saying, my God, they're taking us seriously. They're taking our concerns seriously. And, and the negotiations in Geneva are off to a great start. Finish up here. When our negotiators got to Geneva, they said, we don't know anything about this. Forget about it. Six weeks later, on the 12th of February, 2002 now, just, what, 12? 12 days before the invasion of Ukraine, um, Putin and, and Biden talked again. The readout from that said, uh, Mr. Biden would not discuss his former undertaking that there would be no offensive strike missiles mm. in Ukraine. This was not discussed, not able to be discussed. So 12 days later. Now, I'm not saying that these intermediate or these, these 
Medium and intermediate range ballistic missiles were the only reason. We also know that there was a geometric increase in shelling from the Ukrainian army into these Russian-speaking areas, the Donbass. It peaked right around February 22nd, 23rd. It peaked before that, started up February 16th. So that, too, was one reason why uh, a preemptive move was, was decided upon by, by the Kremlin. Now, most Americans don't know this history as you've just outlined it. I mean, they generally know what happened in 1962 with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, mm -hmm. But with respect to the communications between Putin and Biden, uh, I don't think most Americans know that. The mainstream media doesn't report that the Ukrainians were shelling Russian-speaking Ukraine in early uh, February uh, of uh, of twenty one. Uh, they just they just don't don't talk about that. Was there the outline uh, of a peace agreement uh, on the table in Geneva, which Washington uh, instructed Kiev to reject? Uh, the Russians had given us and NATO a draft of what they call their treaty for the new arrangement in Europe. Uh, they gave it to us uh, on the, on December 17th in both, both places. <clears throat> Five of the eight major provisions of that treaty had to do with medium range ballistic missiles. <laughs> Five of the eight, okay? That's why Putin's advisors could say on New Year's Eve, my God, they're taking us seriously. They're willing to talk about this threat. So. Uh, yes, this this was uh, proposed by Biden. It was not negotiated. Ask Wendy Sherman, for God's sake. She was she was the negotiator. Why were you told not to discuss this when Biden told Putin personally on the phone on the 30th of December that he had no intention, Washington had no intention of putting offensive strike missiles in Ukraine? That was a big deal, and it completely fell off the. It didn't appear in, in the press at all. And only the Russians uh, had the readout and told us about it. And, you know, readouts are readout. That, that no, never have we had readouts that haven't been actually confirmed or affirmed by both parties. We're going to take a break uh, for a commercial uh, announcement from our sponsor. Uh, when we come back, the CIA and its culture of lying with Ray McGovern right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
Hi, everyone. Judge Napolitano here, and the verdict is in. Everywhere I go, people are complaining how expensive things are and how their stomachs turn every time they get their IRA statement. Listen, many experts are predicting a recession. When, how, where, how bad, who knows? But why wait and see? Do what I did and learn how adding gold to your portfolio can help. Now, you all know that I am a paid spokesperson for Lear Capital, but I believe in Lear Capital. I trust them and I value their products. Lear Capital is the company that I trust for buying my gold. Lear Capital has over 25 years experience and thousands of five-star reviews and a 24-hour risk-free purchase guarantee. Call my friends at Lear today and start protecting your retirement with gold. Here's the number. You see it on the screen. 800-511-4620. 800-511-4620. Or use the internet as I do, learjudgenap.com. And get your free gold investment guide and learn how to take control of your financial future. Now, listen to this. My friends at Lear are offering to Judging Freedom customers only a $15,000 bonus in gold. Call today and see if you qualify for it. 800-511-4620 or Judge Knapp, excuse me, Lear, JudgeKnapp.com. Before we get into uh, the CIA uh, and the culture of lying, uh, somehow the American government uh, wants us to believe that NATO and the West encirclement of Russia and China is defensive only, even though these, of course, are offensive weapons uh, aimed at the mainland of both countries. Have they encircled the U.S.? Are there weapons aimed at the U.S. now that arguably are controlled by the Chinese or the Russians? No, no, they're not allowed, uh, Judge. The Monroe Doctrine doesn't allow them. <laughs> it's really <laughs> quite quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, we have John Kirby getting up at the White House and saying, we are very concerned about China and uh, China's activities in the East and South China Seas and the Taiwan Straits, you know. But we're worried about what they're doing in their hemisphere. <laughs> See the Chinese saying, well, hello, uh, what about what you call our hemisphere, which is what John Kirby says. They're, they're actually interfering now in our hemisphere. What Well, that must be the rules-based international order that no one can find in Wikipedia. What we say in our hemisphere goes. So no, the answer to your question, no, the Russians tried one time, didn't come out very well for them. Nobody's really tried since then. And the missiles that um, uh, Bobby and Jack Kennedy negotiated to be removed from Turkey and Italy, they're back, right? Not the same ones, but more sophisticated, more modern, more effective ones are back. Yeah, you know, in the major speech that Putin gave three days before the invasion, he pointed out that these things were back, that they were very, very fast, very quick reaction time for him and that they were already in there, and that, as he put it, Ukraine is going to get them from the U.S. Now, 
hello, uh, if Cuba got them from the U.S., well, that was not allowed because of our, 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 our strength there that we could prevent it. But, you know, if you look at it, John F. Kennedy did some illegal things. You know, blockade, that's illegal. He called it quarantine, but that makes it not less illegal. Assembling an invasion force opposite uh, Cuba, another, and then threatening nuclear war. You're not supposed to do that under the UN Charter. Uh, nobody said then, Judge, that wait a second, Fidel Castro is a free, sovereign country. He has he has the right to choose his own allies and to invite people to in to give him defense equipment. <laughs> nobody said that, you know. Nobody said. But JFK, you're doing illegal things, for God's sake. Don't do these illegal things. No, everybody right, clapped the weapons, weapons that NATO has surrounding uh, Russia, are they aimed at civilian population or are they aimed at Russian military facilities? Well, it depends on what kind are in there. In a briefing I gave uh, four months ago, I showed how these capsules were originally designed to be fit into ships, okay? Now they're upstanding, standing up in bases in Poland and Romania. Problem is on the top of the capsule, it's closed so you can't see what's in there. The size of the capsule accommodates cruise missiles, eventually hypersonic missiles. So the Russians don't know what's in there. Uh, most likely they're targeted on major civilian, major command centers like Moscow, but also the, the Russian ICBM fleet in the European part of the United, of, the, of Russia are also uh, in in range. So they can't be sure. All they know is that these installations are already there, even if they're peopled by what they originally called anti-ballistic missiles, they can't be sure of that. And even if they are, you slip a little CD in there. You don't even need a DVD for guys. You put a CD in the program and you change it for an offensive tomahawk or even worse, hypersonic missile. Can it be done overnight? Yes, it can be done overnight. Do you need a big derrick to put the new missiles in? No, you don't. It can be done very subtly. Everyone agrees with that. Uh, that is everyone who I trust in the U.S. government, and that includes uh, people like uh, Ted Postel, who worked on these issues forever and is very conversant in what what the physics of this is. He's professor physics professor emeritus at MIT. And everything you've just told us, obviously, Russian intelligence and President Putin knows. Yeah, they know what they know and they know what they don't know. And what they don't know is just as worrying as what they know. Tell me about, tell us about uh, the CIA and lying. Now, I know that you were uh, an analyst. You took raw data and analyzed it and presented it to the White House. You were not uh, one of these people on the ground uh, co-opting spies, lying, cheating, and stealing. But what is the culture in um, the American intelligence community about lying? Lying to superiors, lying to colleagues, lying to adversaries, lying when they do this, whenever they can, to the press directly or indirectly? Well, Judge, all I can speak for is when I was there, it was a couple of decades ago. Uh, when you talk about the ethos in the CIA, there were two, okay? Uh, we were paid and we were able to tell the truth to the president. I was able to tell the president what I thought uh, Khrushchev 
or Brezhnev or whoever was in charge in Russia, what they were actually trying to do, whether we could have arms agreements with them or whatever, okay? Now, the other part, which was behind turnstiles, physical turnstiles, if you will, on every floor of the CIA headquarters building were the guys that did the operations. Now, some of those were really smart, clever guys, and they created, they cultivated and, and, and got spies. Not very many Russian spies, but enough to help, okay? The other guys were involved in covert action. Now, covert action, ipso facto, um, the lies don't enter into the equation. It's all fair in the love and war. You do what you have to, to to achieve the mission, and it means blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline. You salute and you say, yeah, we can do that. We'll get the Navy to help us and the Norwegians. We can do that. Just give us a couple of months. Problem is the people on the analyst side don't get any say over these cockamamie schemes that uh, the director always is sort of co-opted by the operations side, and they go ahead without any review, without anybody saying, okay, what are you going to do the next month, idiots? Is it, almost, is it almost as if there are two CIAs, the operations side, which does dirty deeds, and the analyst side, which takes raw data and makes sense of it and presents it to the White House? That's the way it was. Uh, that's where it's supposed to be. Did you say the there are literally turnstiles? Why are there turnstiles in the uh, CIA headquarters to bar certain people from going on certain floors? Analysts, well, this is on every floor, okay? Analysts could not go to where the operations people were plotting whatever covert action or even clandestine collection, okay? And operatives could not go to the analysts are now we had secure phones and we used them plentifully and and you know so we did stay in touch but the difference between the culture then and now is very very different judge right now the answer is no they're all kind of scrunched up together the analysts are targeteers for drone strikes and the analysts are very much in the war so you know an objective view of the war is not easy to come by especially if we want to have a career and CIA, regrettably, now. We've, we've been through this before, but those on the ground gathering raw data, how do they know that that data is making its way to the White House? How do they know it hasn't been adulterated with politics? Or do they just assume, because this is the way the government works, that it is adulterated with politics? Well, now they're, uh, they're good soldiers. Um, I have to say that they follow orders, okay? Whatever they're trying to collect, they collect and they send it back for the most part without any real treatment, as uh, Truman used to call what he didn't want, treatment. And what happens when it gets to headquarters, that's a whole different story. The malleable managers that were put in, into place starting in the 80s, for God's sake, under Bill Casey and Bobby Gates, they appointed in turn other malleable managers. And if you say to one of these new malleable managers, we want to make a war on Iraq, or maybe this time we're going to make a war on, on Russia, for God's sake, uh, most of them are in the mode, in this malleable mode. They say, well, how can we help? How can we gin up some, some WMD-type information to justify this war? It's that bad. 
Ray McGovern, always a pleasure, my man. Uh, thank you very much for sharing the depth and uh, breadth of your uh, of your knowledge uh, in this area. We all appreciate it. Well, I hope I have a happier story to tell someday. Uh, I hope so too. We'll we'll see you uh, at the end of the week in what is now one of our more popular uh, segments uh, with you and Larry Johnson. Hopefully uh, on okay. Friday afternoon. But very much mm -hmm. appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Judge. Oh, if you like that, my dear friends, like, subscribe, tell a friend. We're up to 190,190, 190,000 subscribers. Our goal is 200,000 by Labor Day, which is a week from today. Unless there's crazy breaking news in this end of the world, we will be off on Labor Day, but we want to break 200,000 by then. Tell your friends about judging freedom. More as we get it, because here we're looking out for your liberty.